Wasn't that some kind of welcome here to worship today? My heart was raised and I am so happy to be here back in person again with so many of you here in the heart of Hollywood at Hollywood United Methodist Church. Are you glad to be back? My name is Pastor Bridie Roberts. <laughs> And I'm associate pastor here and alongside senior pastor Kathy Cooper Ledesma and our entire church family, we welcome you here to worship today. Whether you're worshiping online or here in person, you are welcome. If you traveled an hour to get here or just crossed the street, you are welcome. No matter what stress or sorrow or hardship you're bringing through the door with you today, you are welcome. Your joys and celebrations, we're eager to be a part of them with you and you are welcome. Thank you for coming and being here with us. Um, we are asking you to maintain the wearing of your masks. I have mine off because I'm speaking while you're here in the sanctuary. And for those who are unvaccinated, we continue to invite you to worship with us online. We are so glad to see you. We are so glad you are here. Now, let us worship.
Good morning, everybody. My name is Kevin McCluskey. I'm the Director of Children and Youth Ministry, and I'm really happy to have my friend Bella here. Uh, Bella, can you tell everybody what grade you're in and what school you go to? I'm in 10th grade, and I go to GALA, which stands for Girls Academic Leadership Academy. Awesome. I cannot believe you're in 10th grade. Bella used to be one of the little ones on the steps with me. So we've heard a lot about school and how it has been affected from COVID, and we've taught, we've like worried about all the kids that were missing school, but from your perspective, what was it like uh, doing school virtually at home? Well, there was challenges, but overall I felt like I, it was the year that I started to succeed. Wow, and so for you, you felt like, and your mom had mentioned this to me as well, that like being virtually online at home really worked for you. What were some of the things that worked? Hmm. <laughs> or what were some of the things you liked about it? I just liked how there was more time to work on assignments because the school day was kind of cut. And you probably had like more independence. You could decide kind of when you worked on things and when you didn't, and you weren't uh, in school for like seven hours, right? Yeah, just the cut school time kind of gave me some leniency to work. I, I think that's, it's like an often overlooked fact that for some people it really, really worked for uh, to do at-home school and to do virtual school and I'm so happy that that was the year for you that you felt like it all started clicking for you. So going back to school, what's been the joys and concerns about that? Well, the, one of the joys is that um, because I know that I succeeded in online school but I know that many didn't, I'm now happy that they are back to in-person school so they're able to like get what they missed. Yeah. However, I'm just concerned about like the COVID cases still. I know it doesn't affect kids that much, but I'm just still nervous. Yeah, and you're not alone. I think a lot of people are still really concerned. There's been some good news lately, right? We've seen some cases going down and hospitalizations are getting fewer and deaths thankfully are getting fewer, but yeah, it is still a concern. Well, I appreciate your perspective just because I'm so happy that for you, virtual school worked really well. I know for my son, he really also enjoyed, you know, setting a, a very different schedule and going to school a shorter amount of time, and he did really well. So um, we're going to continue to hope and pray that the virus goes away, but also that you will continue to thrive now that you're back in person. So let's pray together. God, thank you so much for Bella and all of the uh, youth and children that she represents that um, did really well, it, like had a new and unique experience when doing virtual school and that some things uh, worked well and clicked for them. And thank you for that good news. I pray as all students are going back to school, uh, pray that you would keep them safe, keep them healthy, be with the teachers and the administrators trying to navigate this whole new world. And I pray that her success, uh, Bella's success that she experienced would continue on at in-person learning. Uh, thank you for her, for her family, and for all the youth and children that we have here today. In your name we pray, amen. So as the children and the youth head over to uh, across the street, I invite you all to stand. We're gonna visually pass the peace of Christ to one another, whether that's a wave, a bow, a wink, however you'd like to do that, but let's pass the peace to one another.
Let us now begin our time of prayer together with our choral call to prayer. Loving God, in whom we live and move and have our being, we give you thanks for the ability to join together in worship to you this day. We pray, O oh Lord, that not just in this hour but throughout the week we might honor your name, Lord Jesus, by trusting the vision that that name, Lord, speaks of and the way it calls for. We pray that we might honor your lordship by following you, speaking into the word with our actions, and showing exactly who we have chosen to follow. May we love in your name, speak in your name, care in your name, have a willingness to touch the outcast, feed the hungry, remember the sick, visit the imprisoned, clothe the naked, give water to the thirsty, all in your name. Be with those among us, O Lord, who are in need of healing of mind, body, or spirit. We especially lift up all those who are mourning the passing of Jeff Swenson and were part of his celebration of life yesterday. Bless Bishop Mary Ann and all who grieve the loss of Jeff. We pray for Ron, for Becky, for Richard, and all who seek healing this day, whom we now pray in silence. Lord, make us instruments of your peace, that peace that passes all understanding, Make us repairers of the breach in this broken and hurting world. Enable us as your followers to call you Lord with both our words and our actions. We pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And good morning. 
It is good to be with you this morning here in person and online. Uh, we are glad you have joined us for this time of worship. Following this time of worship, there will be some refreshments in the courtyard, and those were from yesterday's reception. There's some cookies and some cakes. So you're invited to have a cup of coffee and have some uh, refreshments in the courtyard after worship. Also after worship today, there is a new membership class in Grant Hall, and that will be, Grant Hall is in the far northwest corner of the campus. Just go across the courtyard, grab your coffee, and on up. And Pastor Brady will start that off, and I'll be in shortly. And uh, we will have a three-session membership class today and the next two Sundays. Uh, and then there, we will also offer an online option of a just a, a, a one-time uh, online session. So, and that's uh, the date for that is to be forthcoming. Finally, two weeks from today, on October 24th, we will have a Meet the Music Department. We're very excited to meet the Music Department and learn all about, yay, yeah, let's, thank you, Music Department. Uh, and we, if you are interested in playing the handbells or in singing or you play an instrument, we'd love to know what your talents are and how you would like to use your gifts uh, in the church and just learn about uh, our wonderful Music Department. So that's coming in two weeks. All that we do here is made possible by you, by your prayers and your presence, your service, your witness, and your financial gifts. So I pray that as you leave today, if you brought an offering with you, you will place it in the basket in the narthex or consider one of our online giving options so that we might continue to not just maintain but grow our ministries here in the heart of Hollywood, in Toluca Lake, and online. Oh, 
reading from the Gospel of Matthew. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly, I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous into eternal life. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Hi, I'm Diana Butler-Bass, and I'm really excited that Harmony Toluca Lake and Hollywood United Methodist Church are going to spend time this fall studying my new book, Freeing Jesus. Freeing Jesus was a really great book to write during the pandemic. It gave me time to think back about my own journey as a Christian and how I've experienced Jesus in a number of different ways as friend, teacher, savior, Lord, way, and presence. The book is theological. And it's also memoir, but mostly it invites you to think about your own story with Jesus over time. And I hope that as you enter into it, that you will discover not only Jesus, but your own heart and that you might hear where God is calling you next. I hope you'll have a great time together and I hope that my words will resonate with you take you to places you didn't imagine, and challenge you to see Jesus in new ways. Good morning, friends. 
It's so good to be with you once again as we continue our exploration together of Diana Butler Bass's Freeing Jesus. Her book explores both her own journey of faith and the many ways that she has known Jesus as friend, teacher, savior, Lord, way, and presence. And as she faces the question many of us have heard or even posed to ourselves in these difficult times in the face of a changing church, how can you still be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? Great question. In this chapter that we explore today, Lord, Diana reflects on her own journey learning about who Jesus is beyond his role as personal savior to her life and liberator of the world. We've all heard the phrase, Christ is Lord, but what does it really mean? How do we go from being saved to being a part of Christ's salvific work in the world? Diana tells the story of attending her liberal arts Christian college in a sheltered and economically exclusive part of Santa Barbara and encountering there in this sanctuary, in this campus, for the first time, challenges to her recently found evangelical Christian identity. And I think that there are some amongst us who have been through that path before and her story may feel familiar. It was the 70s and the world was changing. The same kind of cultural awakenings and social movements that were shaking the secular world were working their way through the faith community. And her small private Christian school was not immune. She began to encounter the writings, teachings, and actions of others uh, about a Jesus who cared not just for their soul and their salvation, but for the whole of the world and what transpired in it. Many people have a personal, individual experience of Jesus as Savior. For them, this may be enough. But today's scripture from Matthew and the book that we are reading really begs the question, is it enough for the world? Or is Jesus calling us beyond our personal salvation to be a much bigger part of a world transformation? She remembers a statement made to her in those years, those ecstatic years of new education and revolutionary student thought and worship and prayer. Someone saying once, maybe in a Bible study or even in the dining hall, Jesus can't be just your savior. He must also be your Lord. And for her, this was a radical notion. She goes on to say, I was riveted by the idea, Lord, master of all, a God who cared about justice and peace and things that happened here on earth. Admittedly, the Jesus I had encountered as a teenager could manage to save people from sin and death, but maybe there was more. Maybe Jesus could save the world. When we say Jesus is Lord, what do we really mean? Now, she goes on and explores this a little bit, and I think it's worth our time to dig into it because I think all of us have heard the phrase. We've sung it, we've prayed it, but do we know where it came from? Jesus as Lord is an early church affirmation. It was countercultural. Early Christians lived in a hierarchical, politically oppressive society of Rome. Lord was a title workers used for employers, students for teachers, and master was a word that pe slaves were made to use for the people who enslaved them. People who po held power over other people in Rome were called Lord. 
It was a, a way of maintaining social order and also demanding deference to an earthly power structure. When early Christians instead began naming Jesus as Lord in public, it was both an act of faith and an act of defiance, stating who their true allegiance and submission was to. When early Christians met each other, the greeting they shared was Jesus is Lord. Diana writes, in a world where millions were held in slavery and millions of others lived in poverty and powerlessness at the bottom of the rigid social hierarchy, claiming Jesus as Lord announced one's liberation from oppression. In that simple phrase. She goes on to share that the term Lord was used frequently in Jewish texts at the time because writing the name of God was not permitted, it was too holy. The term Adonai was used instead, which translates as God. And when the scriptures were then translated from that into Greek, the word Kyrios was used, which means Lord. The term Lord has lots of meanings and it appears in the New Testament 700 times. Actually more than that. Many specifically referring to Jesus. In fact, we become so used to seeing it, right? To reading it, to hearing it in our prayers and in our hymns, that we become immune to the power that the choice of that word has. We just sort of take it for granted, don't we? Yeah, of course, Jesus is Lord, right? They know, we know this. But we shouldn't take it for granted. We should see it is, or see it for what it is. Each time that the early teachers and writers of the New Testament call Jesus Lord, it is a direct challenge the political and social hierarchy that existed in that time. The time that he lived in and the time after when the books were written. That demand allegiance, um, that the word which demands allegiance to worldly powers is subverted. And it becomes a word to describe a wandering itinerant preacher who has decided to change his community. We have said Jesus is Lord many times, as I said before, in prayer, scripture, and song. But are we ready to lean into what it really means for us in our lives? Are we ready to understand its truth? To allow Jesus to both act as our savior and then to follow him into the world? Are we ready to accept the invitation that has Christ has put on our heart when we accept his love and his grace? Because that grace comes without cost, we know this. We are loved by God. We are extended this grace because we need it, not because we deserve it. And nothing is really asked in return. But when we allow that grace and love to enter us and to change us, it profoundly alters the way we view the world. And Christ remains beside us then as Lord, inviting us to take on more. Are we ready to follow this invitation? to both be creators of a new world to come and followers of Jesus. So what does it mean to follow Christ? Not just to be the student to the teacher or Jesus as friend or personal savior, but to really see him as Lord. Today's scripture passage, this parable of Jesus found in the book of Matthew gives us a pretty clear picture. The last judgment, the sheeps and the goats. You guys know the story, right? Is it familiar? The verses are an explicit statement from Jesus on the prioritization of the work of his followers. This work is not compelled, 
but instead born from love and from the rebirth that grace brings. These words have defined the mission and ministry of our church and our understanding of what it means to be a person of faith. And they are some of the most familiar in the Bible. They make it clue where, clear where our work lies. And yet, we struggle. The examples listed in the text are not arbitrary. Jesus walked beside the rich and the poor. He welcomed the tax collector at his table, and he washed the feet of the lowly. But in this passage, he specifically names the most vulnerable in society and wonders where his followers have been in relationship to them. He names those who were outcasts then and still are now, the immigrants, the destitute, the sick, the homeless, the criminals, all those left at the margin of society. Our church, and I mean the universal church, us as a Christian people, we have struggled to do these most simple of works, to be in intimate solidarity with our neighbors. And we should not be ashamed to say it because Jesus is offering us an opportunity to do something different. All around us, we see evidence of this. A nation that claims Christianity is the wealthiest in the world with the biggest military. But still, children go hungry, not just overseas, but here in our own nation, in our own city. And our elected leaders, many of whom claim the same Christianity, especially when they are running for office, fight over whether or not we should continue school lunch programs. At our border now, men and women and children are seeking refuge from direct harm and suffering. They are seeking asylum in this country and yet they are met with derision and violence and told to go back where they came from. The stranger in our midst and we do not welcome them. In our own streets of Los Angeles, more than 60,000 people have no place to shelter properly at night. Men, women, and children. I see children in tents on the street in my own neighborhood. And yet newly developed luxury apartment buildings are standing in almost all our communities or under construction, and they are sitting mostly empty. These failures seem like big decisions made by parties who have far more power than us, distant and out of touch. But are they really? Do we accept them because they are made by our earthly rulers? Or do we call Jesus Lord and follow him on the path of small decisions and small actions that will lead to big change in the world? It turns out that loving Jesus involves a little bit of work. When we begin to see Jesus as Lord, when we choose not only to revel in our salvation, but to begin to understand that it is not in fact just a personal experience, but instead one that is part of building God's kingdom, the work begins, not a work that is required by God, but a creative work that we are invited to join in because we want to, because our hearts are opened, because we long for something more. Now we can all agree to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, but it's much harder when our neighbor doesn't agree with that, or when the neighbor we are called to love isn't all that lovable, or when the neighbor we are called to love challenges our prejudices and gives rise to our fear. Or when loving our neighbor means inconveniencing our own wants and needs. 
We struggle with this because we are human and we are imperfect. But our redemption is found in acts of service that help us move beyond our fear. Perhaps the part of this passage, this passage from Matthew, that we dwell less on is the one that seems to be focused on judgment. The separation of the sheep and the goats. One preparing to receive the foundation of the world, the sheep, and others destined for more fiery locales, the goats. And when we read this passage, I think we have a tendency to know where we're going to end up, right? Where other people are going to end up, right? On which side? We know. But what if it's really not that simple? Because nothing in the Bible is simple except for loving God. After church last week, Bill Miller recounted to me a story of his time in the Peace Corps in the Cameroon. He reflected that when he went to the market where there were sheep and goats for sale, it was almost impossible to actually tell them apart because they looked so similar. Only the most skilled shepherd could do that. And this left me with food for thought. How do you tell them apart? And even in Jesus' word, the distinction is actually not so unique. He makes it pretty clear, right? Even if you do just one act of love towards your neighbor, you do this onto me. And you'll be going to that kingdom which is the foundation of the world. But even if you slight just one of the least of these, you're going to be visiting that other fiery location. So which is it? Because I'm pretty sure all of us have done at least one act of love for our neighbor. Our faith brings us here to that place. And I'm pretty sure that as many times as we have answered Christ's call to serve, we have had moments when we looked away. So who really are the sheep? And who are the goats? Or are we both? And can we afford to live in a world where we choose to maintain those division lines? Or instead, should we be seeking a place where we can all find our way to the right hand of God? We can, if we choose to, look at this passage and imagine these places that Jesus is describing, the kingdom prepared for you for the foundation of the world or the eternal fire of the accursed as afterlife experiences. But we can also, and I think we should, ask ourselves, what if this is about the here and the now? Because surely we have seen the goodness that comes when we stand together with the most vulnerable, when we sacrifice our comfort so that others might know healing and joy, and the healing and joy that that brings us individually. And surely, surely, we have experienced the communal suffering and anxiety and pain that comes from the struggle born when we do not do what we are called to do and our brothers and sisters suffer. We need look no further than the abject suffering on the streets of our own city, of our own curb right outside the doors of our church, and the way it tears at our own hearts, the way it fractures the fabric of our community and divides us. We do not have to wait for the end times. We are invited to build God's kingdom now. And we can see every day in the world around us the cost when we choose not to.
So who is Jesus to you? Friend, teacher, savior, Lord? All of the above? So much more, so much that you can't even put it into words? I admit for a long time, I avoided saying Jesus is Lord. Not because Jesus isn't God to me, but because I found the word Lord to be so loaded with patriarchal and political context. And the thought of greeting others with it on days besides Easter made me feel like kind of a Jesus weirdo. <laughs> but now I know, now I understand that this is a subversive statement. It's a next level commitment. It's an echoing in the words of our ancient and brothers and sisters of the early church who proclaimed it in defiance of their own subjugation and in the face of our own times, worldly looming powers and oppression. I understand it for what it truly is. It is a proclamation of loving revolution, a call for a new world order. Jesus is Lord. And my friends, that is pretty cool. So are you ready to step into the next level of call? Here's the thing about it. You don't really have to worry about anything. This is the beauty of faith and Jesus' role in our life. When we acknowledge that Christ is Lord, when we acknowledge that he is not only our friend and teacher and savior, but also our guide and our mentor, we are acknowledging that we will allow him to lead us and show it how it is to be done. And we are agreeing that we will submit to the call when it comes to us. I invite you to hearken back to those early Christians, the one who greeted each other by saying, Jesus is Lord. The radical nature of naming publicly that in a world controlled by empire and power, they were choosing something different. Their true Lord was the one who put the poor first, who stood with the outcast, who gave up everything he had and invited, not compelled, others to do the same, to follow God. In this modern world, we are ready and able to make the same proclamation, but we have to choose it. What will it mean for you in your life to acknowledge that Christ is Lord, that Jesus is Lord? What will this new kingdom look like? What will it look like in our church? Our church here in the heart of Hollywood is more than its iconic bell towers and powerful red ribbons. Our church is you each of you, gathered here in this place, watching online, praying, participating, proclaiming that the Jesus we love is a Jesus who loves all. That the Jesus we call Lord is a Jesus who refuses the rule of power and hatred and alienation and intimidation. Our Jesus, this Lord Jesus, is the one that heals and welcomes and disrupts the order as we know it and invites us into the building of new things. Can I get an amen? And do we have new things to build, my friend? We do, we are coming out of the end of a pandemic that has fundamentally changed our lives, our community, our world, and our church. We have work to do. And we will need your help as we do the work that God has called us to do. Building our ministry here at church, here in the heart of Hollywood. Reimagining our homeless outreach and work which desperately needs to be done and must be led by our congregation. Standing up and engaging in the fight for equal rights and against racist and political structures that undermine and hurt people both in the global church and in the world. 
we are building a new kingdom and we are not at the head. Jesus is Lord. In our worship life, in our prayer life, in our everyday practice, we are proclaiming what we believe, that freedom belongs to all and that all are loved. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's time to get all your sheep and the goats together and have ourselves a little Jesus party. We got a lot of things to do. We have a wonderful community, a powerful call, and a broken world that needs Jesus' love and a Christ that not only saved us, but believes in us. The need is now, the time is now, and we are ready. We are the ones, and he is the one. Indeed, 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 Jesus is Lord. Can I get a Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. That'll be like my one southern pulpit moment for the season. Jesus is Lord.
forth this day proclaiming with your actions, not just your words, that indeed Jesus is Lord. Go now in peace to love and serve the world. Amen. Thank you.